All right, let's open our Bibles this morning to Jeremiah chapter 12, the book of Jeremiah chapter 12, and we're going to read uh, the first 10 verses responsively. I will read the first verse, we'll read the second verse uh, together, and uh, so on. Jeremiah chapter 12, so this pertains to the history of Israel, also it is prophetic, and uh, there's many lessons for us about our day-to-day -day life that are very helpful. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1. Shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? <clears throat> Jeremiah 12, verse 1. Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, yet let me talk with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy? that deal very treacherously. Thou hast planted them, yea, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. But thou, O Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me and tried mine heart toward thee. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long shall the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither for the wickedness of them that dwell therein? The beasts are consumed and the birds because they said, He shall not see our last end. If thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with the horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? For even thy brethren in the house of thy father, even they have dealt treacherously with thee. Yea, they have called a multitude after thee. Believe them not, though they speak fair words unto thee. For I've, uh, I have forsaken mine house, I have left mine heritage, I have given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hand of their enemies." My heritage is unto me as a lion in the forest. It crieth out against me, therefore have I hated it. My heritage is unto me as a speckled bird. The birds round about me are against her. Come ye, assemble all the beasts of the field, come to devour. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. I want you to look back at verse uh, 9. Very interesting wording and uh, analogy. It says, My heritage is unto me as a speckled bird. The birds round about are against her. Come ye, assemble all the beasts of the field, come to devour. So it says that the heritage is as a speckled bird. Uh, I think about this a lot, and I think all of us see ourselves in some way as a speckled bird. And uh, this is very uh, meaningful. It's very encouraging when you understand uh, the application. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the message as it goes forth. We yield your spirit. We pray for power to preach and uh, hear the word. We pray that it would find good ground, that you'd open our eyes, that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law. We pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Help us to receive it, 
willingly the encouragement we need to have clarity of uh, thought and viewpoint perspective on what is taking place in our life and and in the world around us that uh, we're likened in some way to a speckled bird. We pray that your spirit would reveal it to us and do all the work. And we yield to him now. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. When we think about our greatest need of life, what is our greatest need? Well, it is love. And uh, God is love. We also need purpose. Why are we here? What is the, the meaning of life? Why did God create us? What are we supposed to be doing while we're here? And then we really need acceptance. We need to fit in. Uh, we need to belong. This is a big part of life. Uh, for those people who do not know the love of God, have no purpose in life. They don't know what they're doing. They have no reason to get out of bed in the morning. They lack acceptance. They lack uh, the ability to fit in with some people in their own family, some people their place of employment, many people out in the world. So God invites us, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life for If you choose, you will, you say, I will come. That's for me. I will come to Christ. So this is a general invitation, whosoever will. But then you have this great crowd, the mass of humanity is composed of unique individuals. So we're all different. I think about it all the time. God is so amazing. We all have a head. Boy, that's deep, isn't it? We all have two eyes and a nose and a mouth and a forehead and a chin and cheeks and ears. And we all look human, hopefully. But we all look totally different. Generally, we all look like a man. Individually, there's something unique about all of us. So we need this balance. I am in the group. I want to be in that number. You know, I think about it. It talks about in heaven, thousands upon thousands in the throne room of God, praising God throughout eternity. We're all in a group. We're in humanity. So worldwide human beings, citizens of the United States, uh, great state of Texas, Uvalde County, but then you have a family. Maybe you're a part of a school or some institution, possibly your place of employment. And then you have your church family, but you have your close knit family, then your extended family, very unique, very individual. And the reality is that there's nobody like you. You know, you think about that. There's nobody like me. And I'm not going to change to be like you. I want to be like him. And I realize he loves me and made me a unique way. And because of that, I have all these things. I have love. 
I do have a purpose in life. I know why God made me, the will of God. I have acceptance in His love, and He invites whosoever will. Let Him come. Now, the reality is, we're all unique. You know what the reality is? We're all weirdos. I'm a weirdo. I know that. I'm all about, man, that guy's weird. Well, have you looked in the mirror lately? Everybody's different. Uh, if we were not unique individuals, we'd be robots. Now, who wants that? We'd all be one. You know, like these new, uh, like Elon Musk, uh, you know, they've just embedded the first chip where somebody can move a, uh, on the keyboard with their brain. They can think it and it'll search the internet. Boy, that's scary. Uh, but they want to somehow upload their consciousness and do all these things and live on Mars throughout eternity in outer space. Uh, not me, I, I want to go to heaven. Amen. But everybody is unique and individual, and all of us, sometimes because of this, if you don't understand what God has done for you and wants to do in your life, you will feel insignificant. You will feel like a nobody. We've all felt that way. You will feel like a pawn in a game of chess where the king is in control and he has all the power and he's just, you're just a, a, a little person that is not very important. Like in the old days of the, uh, the, the European aristocracy of the kings and the royalty and then the dukes and the earls and the sirs and then the nobodies on the bottom, the laborers, the serfs as they were called. Sometimes, you know, I felt like it. I'm just a number in the crowd. I'm just a number. Have you ever felt like you're just a statistic? If, if, if you get looking at it the wrong way, very discouraging. Sometimes we're just a face in the crowd. Just a, just, I'm just another something. So we should not compare with other people. We don't compete. We're not trying to do what the Bible tells us not to do, which is conform to this world to fit in. We are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to be unique individuals saved by grace, to be transformed into the exact image of Christ. We are not to capitulate to uh, peer pressure. And so you have two things that are happening. One is confirmation. The world is trying to put us into a mold. A good illustration of this is like a cookie cutter. You know, when your mom or your grandma makes cookies for Christmas and they roll out the dough and then they have those cookie cutters. You know, here's the, uh, the reindeer. And here's the uh, Christmas tree. And here is the uh, Santa Claus or whatever it is. And the, become what I want you to be. Do what I want you to do. You have to do this to fit in. Or you can realize you are a unique individual. Nothing to be proud about. 
but you are made that way by God for His glory, and there's something you can do that nobody else can. And when you start seeing it this way, you have love. You are accepted, and you fit in. You have a purpose for existence. Nobody can do it like you can. Nobody has your unique specialty skills, talents. Nobody has your physical appearance. Nobody has your personality. There is something about you that is special. And once again, you shouldn't be puffed up and think, oh, well, I'm better than them. Has nothing to do with pride. It has to do with the fact that God made you in a unique way that, and there's certain things you can do in a unique way. And if you don't do it, nobody else can. And this is where you find purpose in life. Where? In the will of God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, I quote it, I think about it all the time. Ephesians 1.6, He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. God accepts me. I don't have to go out into the world and join a gang or try to do things to fit in. All this problem out there in our society, low self-esteem, um, people changing to try to fit in to please a special interest group, it's all because they don't know God loves them. They will not let God love them, and they will not accept His acceptance of them in their own unique individuality. And when you do this, something changes in your life. You get confidence, not pride, confidence. Now, you know, we've, we could all make fun of our facial features. You know, I have a pug nose, maybe. Maybe I have a pointed head, uh, whatever. Hey, mock on. I happen to like my pug nose and pointed head. You know why? God gave it to me. I don't, and I'm not going to let you hurt my feelings. See, this is where we're at. People get on social media. Somebody posts this about that. Oh, they said this. Hey, you can say whatever you want. God loves me. Amen. I accept that God loves me, and I find acceptance in God's love, and I'm not intimidated or manipulated. I'm not going to change to keep up with the proverbial Joneses. I change because He loves me. You know, the Bible says we labor to be accepted of Him. Him. Why? Because He is love. Now, I want us to think about this text of the speckled bird. Let me give you the background historically so you can understand what's happening in the history of Israel. And then we can make the practical application of uh, how this relates to our life. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. He was chosen, known by God, before he was formed in his mother's womb. He was called to be a prophet to the nations. He saw himself, though, as a child. He said, I'm but a child. I cannot speak. And God told him what to say, gave him, the, put the call on his life, gave him the wherewithal to uh, 
fulfill the call. But his message was not popular. You know, he wasn't giving people a pat on the back. He wasn't telling people what they wanted to hear. His call was to tell them, we're get, about to get invaded. The Babylonian army was marching on Israel, and they did invade three times, each one becoming successively worse. And people did not like what he had to say. It was offensive to them. They wanted to hear, everything's going to be okay. They wanted to hear, don't worry, just live your life. So Jeremiah was preaching judgment. God hates sin. You've committed idolatry. You've stolen the tithe. You violated the Sabbath. You're not right with the Lord. He has given you opportunity to repent and turn to Him. You did not listen to His prophets judgment's going to fall. God's about to drop the hammer. And by the way, you know how many Americans right now don't even know we've been invaded? They're blind. They're, they're, look, they're in the line at McDonald's drive-thru looking for their next quarter pounder with cheese, if they even make those anymore. I don't know. Oh, man, you know, I saw just, just for your own food. Where was somebody got an ice cream sandwich and put it outside and it didn't melt. Okay, that's not ice cream. <laughs> I'll just think that one over a while. But um, it was some chemical. Um, real ice cream melts. Now, you know what they did to Jeremiah? They put him in the stocks. You know what that is? You've seen the old medieval where they have uh, these curvatures cut out and it's on a hinge and they stick your hands and your head through it, then they lock it. And in, in old England, they would throw rotten vegetables at people they didn't like and mock and ridicule them. They put him in the stocks in the courtyard of the temple. And when all the wicked Jews are going in to fake worship God, like most people today, religious but lost, just going through the motions. There's old Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. How do you think he felt? He didn't feel loved, didn't feel acceptance. He kept preaching the truth. God was using him, and it talks about, it uses several illustrations here. First of all, he says, if you can't handle it when the footmen are attacking you, how are you going to handle it when the cavalry shows up? You know, so many of us are thinking we're having it rough. No, we've got it made. We've, I mean, we got an AC. We live in a, in a nice home, drive a nice vehicle. You can go anywhere and buy prepackaged food. I mean, and people say, woe is me, I'm not going to make it. Well, what are you going to do when the horsemen show up? When the, when the real army rolls in. And then he talks about a lion in the forest that has roared against God and turned against God. And he uses all these illustrations. And then he said, I and God's people who have stayed with the truth against all these 
onslaughts of uh, attacks and enemies and problems and temptations that are out there. He said, I'm like a speckled bird. The Babylonians would invade. They would attack. They would level the wall around Jerusalem. They would destroy the temple, steal all the treasures in the king's treasure house and in the Lord's treasure house, carry them away to Babylon. Many people would, be, would die. Many people would be taken as slaves and hostages into Babylon for 70 long years. And Jeremiah says to them, I'm like a speckled bird. Now, if you've ever been around livestock, um, I can give you many illustrations, but there are generalities to this, and there's always an exception, I realize that. But animals in general will not accept or tolerate another that is different, that is kind of strange. And the status quo has a tendency to turn on the speckled one, the weirdo, if you will, and pick on them and sometimes abuse them. I've seen this happen many times. Israel was attacked because of their sin. Only a few Jews who held to the truth stood up to the wicked Jews who followed the peer pressure. So even in righteousness, so often we become like a speckled bird. We are seen as a speckled bird by the mass of humanity and society. And sometimes we become the speckled bird of our own family. You know, and, and I always try to feel sorry for the person that doesn't fit in. Uh, you know, I, when, when I was a, a teenager, one of the things that led me out into the world to horribly ruin my life for quite a few years is I had low self-esteem. And I'm not going to give you all the details, but I decided I'm going to fit into another crowd so they'd accept me. And uh, I don't want to tell it this morning, but I went all the way. <laughs> I said, I'm gonna, if they're doing it, I can beat that. If they do that much, I'll do more. Uh, nobody, I'm fitting in. I'm going to become a leader of the weirdos. And uh, I ended up, I had a hat. I don't even know where I got it, called I'm Spaced Out. And my, I remember when my dad grabbed it off my head and stomped it on the ground and, and threw it in the trash. He said, no, no son of mine's going to be spaced out. And, you know, and I was so spaced out, I didn't even realize it. I was in outer space. I mean, um, I didn't even know what was going on. And you know how it all started? I couldn't fit in. I couldn't fit in. And I tried to fit in in the wrong place with uh, the wrong crowd. Uh, we haven't had chickens lately, but in our old ranch we lived on, we had uh, white leghorns. You know, the old fog hat, what's his name? Foghorn, leghorn, or whatever, the, the guy on the cartoons. And uh, white leghorns, and they're quite violent. We had a couple of them that if you turn your back, they'd spur you. 
you know, they'd come at you like this, those big old spurs, and could be, be very careful. And uh, one time, somebody gave us a Rhode Island red. And, you know, so Rhode Island reds are red. Uh, white leggings are white. And they commenced to hating the red, uh, Rhode Island red. I mean, attacked it, pecked it. We had to separate it. Uh, I don't remember if they killed it or not. It was brutal. You know, once a chicken starts pecking, they, they, they peck on the peck and they attack the wounded area. And the poor, what did the chicken do? So wrong. It was red. What, what's so bad about that? The white ones didn't like the red one. You know why? The red one didn't fit in. There's just something about it. Uh, we had a herd of sheep. They were called Corsican sheep. They're from the island of Corsica off of uh, Italy. They have like uh, bighorn sheep, curls. But if you know anything about Texas exotics, you know, you have Corsican sheep, you have Texas doll, you have black Hawaiian in the melanistic phase, and then you have uh, mouflon sheep, pure mouflon. But anyway, the, we, we had a, a herd of sheep. And uh, one time we decided, well, we're going to buy some black Hawaiians. They were more valuable, and people would pay more money. And anyways, we had a Corsican sheep get in there with the black Hawaiians. And guess what happened? They did not like the red-brown Corsican sheep. All the black sheep started picking on it. So if you ever seen like the bighorn sheep, pow, you know, they'll back up and pow. Well, they, they, that wasn't enough. They took cheap shots. They were waiting until the Corsican sheep was eating his corn or hay. They'd come right in and hit him right in the ribs. I mean, cheap shots, uh, hor horrible abuse, and a lot of weird things happen. And you know why? Because when you got a bird let's say a group of doves, and then you have a speckled, are you okay there? Just bring those over there next time. Yeah, there you go. So you don't have to get up. All right, so the, all the one color of birds, you know what they did? They peck on the weird looking bird, the speckled bird, if you've ever seen one. You ever heard the story about the uh, ugly duckling? And I know, doesn't the ugly duckling grow up to be a beautiful swan? But do you know what they call a black swan? You know, they're telling us prepare for a black swan event. That's what the military calls it. It's an unprepared attack that is catastrophic. And the reason is the general populace is not aware that we are even in danger. They don't even realize what's going on out there. And it's coming. We don't know what's going to happen. It's called a black swan event. You know why? Because most swans are white. And the, it's the ugly one. And, you know, you think, well don't, well, don't we feel sorry for the ones kind of different? You know what most people do? You know what happened when you grew up. They bully that's who they pick on. They, they bully and gang up on the speckled bird, the one that's just a little different. 
You know, I love what the Bible says. If my own father and mother forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. The Lord's there. Uh, how many parents pick on one child? You know, you ever, you need to be more like your brother. Well, that's the most, one of the worst things you can tell a kid. Because they're going to, I'm not my brother. I'm me. You know, we ought to be saying, you need to be a better you. Be a better you, not like them. You know, it causes resentment. Well, we've all been through that. So if you're the oldest child, the middle, or the youngest, we all um, have our issues, right? Man, it's quiet in here. So um, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If we understood that all of us are unique individuals, nobody is exactly like you. We are all created by God with amazing individuality in appearance, talent, intellect, all these different aspects of life. And if you accept that and you understand it, you will not be affected by the intimidation of the crowd. And you know what they'll do? Have you ever heard that deal where they'll say, uh, they'll throw it against the wall and see if it'll stick? Have you ever dealt with an antique person, a dealer? You'll say, how much you want for that? And they'll go, mm, 600. And they're just, they're just seeing if you'll pay that. You know, and they don't want that. They may not even want half that. But you know what these bullies do? They come at you and start picking on you and, and belittling you and railing on you to see if it festers. Because you know what they'll do? When they find whatever gets at you, that's where they're going to pick on you. They're going to, and the old, you know, guys get, he's needling me. You know, he, he's, 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 he's giving. When I was a kid, they called it, let's give him the business. I don't know where that came from. I think that goes all the way back to Beaver Cleaver. We're, let's give him the business. Hey, if the business doesn't bother somebody, they'll leave you alone. You know what the Bible says? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you don't stand up, he'll keep coming and keep picking and keep bullying. He will pile on, so to speak. But if you realize you don't have to put up with it. You know, he is a bully. He picks on those he can intimidate. And if he realizes this isn't working, he's not going to waste his time. He's going to go find somebody else to pick on them and belittle them. Think about what the Bible says. Saul, King Saul, was head and shoulders above the people. Now, says what it means, means what it said. So the average man's height back then, that's where Saul's shoulder line was. He was that big of a man. He stood out. You know, the old, he stands out in a crowd. Uh, no. You know what he did before he got devil-possessed and full of pride? He hid he didn't want to be in the public. 
when all Israel brought and came to the coronation of the king, it said he was hiding in the baggage or in the stuff. It would be like you're going to the airport and, and Saul is down there crouching down, hiding behind all the suitcases. And they said, where's Saul? He's hiding among the baggage. You know why? He was head and shoulders. Now, you have the proud, arrogant person who says, I'm bigger than you, I'm better. No. Some people think, I'm kind of weird. I don't, I don't fit in. I'm different. You know, it says that David was uh, a ruddy fellow. Ruddy, which means red. Now, we don't know all the details. Probably had auburn-type hair. Maybe a little different skin complexion tone. We don't know. Could have even possibly, I don't know, had some freckles. We don't know. He was a ruddy fella. He stood out. Kind of uh, different, right? Different. You know why? In some way, we're all a speckled bird. In some way, we all don't fit in everywhere. You think about that. Jephthah was an illegitimate son of a harlot, an outcast, could not be allowed to go to the temple of God, rejected by his own tribe of his own nation of people. He rose up to become a judge. Matthew was, you know, we think of, we read this casually. You know, Matthew was a publican. You know what a publican is? Tax collector. You know how many, since when do you want to make good buddies with the IRS? Here's my good buddy, the tax collector. No, he was belittled and maligned and looked down upon. Nobody wanted to get around them because they were overtaxing the people. Mary Magdalene was a former prostitute possessed by seven devils looked down on by all of society. But yet, these are the people that God used. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being, what would we call it, normal? <laughs> you know, yeah, here's normal. God's looking for somebody to realize He made you different on purpose. On purpose. And if you'd accept it, you know, when I, when I was, uh, well, when, when I was very young, I don't like talking about it too much, but my mom, she fed me whole milk before she was supposed to. And I couldn't ingest it, and it made me really sick. Anyway, it, it gave me some deformities, like gave me bowed legs. I had bigger ankles. They, they, uh, they said I should have had those... Uh, corrective, what do they call them, shoes or braces? Remember, it shows you how old I am. They give you these, you look like Frankenstein. You know, I'm making fun of myself. They were black, high-top shoes above the ankle. Then you had metal braces up to your knees. You know, that was me. Yeah. And uh, kind of a Strange. You know who people picked on? When I was young, you know who they picked on? The kid with allergies. You remember that? Back then, nobody had allergies. 
Allergies are something new. I don't know what's happened to the world. You know who they picked on? The kid with asthma. Every time. The kid with asthma who needed the most help, all the bullies picked on the kid with asthma. And they're over there with that inhaler trying to just get through life, and life's hard enough, and all these mean people are picking on them. You know, I knew a guy. This is a true story. You know, you think, man, I'm having it rough. I knew a guy. His mother was a gambling addict. She gambled their house away. Their car lost their whole estate, an addict. His father was a drunk, woke up drinking booze all day long, went to bed, ended up getting sclerosis of the liver. His uncle was a sodomite. This true story, I knew this guy. His sister was a lesbian. His brother was a cocaine addict and a total criminal. And beyond that, he was sitting there one day, and somebody took a stick and just walked up and stuck it in his ear and hit it as hard as they could and punctured his eardrum. And, and you know, and we think, man, I've had a rough life. Huh. Now, this guy, I can tell you some other stories. You know, we've all had it rough, and we're all kind of strange. You know, I admit it, I'm strange in some way. So, not me. Well, you just don't see straight because if you, you realize we're all different. We're all different. You know, some, if we understand, I'll say this on through. Number one, don't be a victim. You're not, don't, number two, don't play the victim. Don't, you're not a victim. You're unique. You're different. Look at you. You're tall. You're skinny. You're like one guy said, man, I'm out of shape. I need to get in shape. I need to start working out. They said, you're in shape. An apple's a shape. <laughs> you know, the, the other guy said, I'm, I'm in good shape. And they said, what do you mean? They said, a pear. Pear is good shape. It has a shape. Needy. You're a, you know what? You're a string bean. You need to get some meat on your bones. Hey, God gave me the weird metabolism. Take it up with God. You're not going to pick on me. So anyway, I get back and I'm through. So I kind of, my grandpa produced rodeos in Oklahoma. We'd go up there and, you know, we'd uh, help them round up the cattle and the bucking horses and put the, help them put the bulls in the chute. And anyway, I'd, at, at school, we had breezeways. I don't know if they still have those. You know, you'd walk from building to building, outdoor breeze. And I'd go walking down, and they, they started picking on me that I had bowed legs. And I started getting a little bit intimidated. And then when I'd wear my Wranglers and cowboy boots, you know, they'd say, did you get bucked off today? Cowboy, did you, did you ride him eight seconds? You know, and so then I, I started quit doing it. I started, you know, walking this way. And then when I got to Bible college, there was a girl from Massachusetts. You know, where's your lobster? Where's your lobster? She was from, 
Massachusetts, and, and she, she thought, they do believe that everybody in Texas has an oil well and rides a horse. I said, you need to come down here and see what it's really like. You know, they believe, when I went to China, they thought everybody was in a John, uh, John Wayne Western and fought Indians. But uh, this is what she'd say. Where'd you park your horse? Where'd you park your horse? I didn't ride a horse. I drive a Toyota. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you park your horse? Anyway, where's your lobster in it? But anyway, we're all a speckled bird. You know what? You can like it. I'm not saying glory, but what did Paul say? I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, there's always a speck, and I'm, did you know that it's known, proven, biological studies, when the chicks are growing up in the nest, the mean birds will push the speckled bird out and kill it. Before it can grow enough feathers to fly, the mean birds that are one color, they'll pick on the speckled one and push it out and try to kill it. They're mean. You know, I, I don't know any other way to say it. This is a mean world. Mean world. Now, when the world is trying to push you out of the nest, you know who's there to catch you? God. God loves you. He made you. He has a will for you, a plan. Let's find it, know it, and find acceptance. And that's why, you know, when they're picking on you, just say, you know what? You're only picking on God. Because God made me this way. You're not picking on me. You're picking on Him. A speckled bird. All right. Let's pray. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I want you to think about our life.